Welcome to Reaganomics with Blaze Reagan, a show focusing on practical business talk and common sense politics. Today, today we have as our guest, Carly Cooper, owner of Espresso. Carly, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thank you. So jumping right in, uh, what is, for those listening, what is Espresso? And how do we pronounce it? Oh, <laughs> so Espresso is a mobile coffee bar. So we have a retro style. I say we, mm-hmm. I, singular, but... Have a um, mobile coffee bar. It's a coffee trailer. Um, it was custom built out of Nashville, Tennessee. It's a retro style um, camper. Um, and we do private events. We do um, coffee catering, I guess you would say, on wheels. And so, yeah. So are you... All espresso-based drinks. Okay. So from regular coffee to espresso to everything in between. Cappuccinos. Yes. The whole works. Yes. So... Are you in addition to, say, food trucks at events, or you are in place of? Is that competition or no? Food trucks? Yeah, since you're mobile. Well, we don't really do any food items, so that kind of puts us in a different category, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, The only food we do um, is we do wholesale from Salty Roan Bakehouse. Um, Okay. Do, like, pastries and things like that um, for morning events. Um, But, yes, I... We kind of try to steer away from just the food truck category of more like pop-up right. um, and more to private event bookings where we're like serving large group um, of, of the staff, maybe that a corporation's wanted to pay and cover the mm-hmm. cost of drinks, um, something like that. So normally a wedding would have you in addition to a food truck or they would have catering inside and then they would have you outside. What's the typical setup? for? So saving? we can do an indoor setup or we can serve out of the coffee trailer either oh, okay. way. Um, okay. But f- it's been a little bit of everything. Some events we've done, I've I've done some weddings with Toasted Traveler out there as well, and then we're out there serving out of the tr- truck. Oh, yeah. Other times we have like, um, you know, a wedding will have a caterer inside, and we'll also be set up inside in the bar area. A um, mm-hmm. little bit of everything. Is how did how did this come about? So did you start it or did you buy this? I took it over from the previous okay. owner, um, Orion Mitchell, who was who started it okay. um, in 2020. So he had the trailer custom built um, and then hit the ground running, had it for a couple of years around Abilene. Um, and I purchased it from him in February of this year. So. Okay. And so for those listening, you are 23? Yes. How old was Ryan? Was he also around that age? Oh no, he he's a dad. He okay. is probably I don't know mid forties. Okay, if he's listening, he's younger. He's thirty. I don't know. <laughs> okay, young guy, young guy, great looking guy. Yeah. Uh, so what what made you go at twenty three or were you twenty three or twenty two at the time that you bought twenty two twenty two at the time? You yes. say I'm going to buy a coffee um, coffee mobile. How do you call it? Mobile, mobile truck? coffee bar. Yes. What was the conversation there? What what made you go? Yeah, this is good. I really didn't. Um, ever see it coming. Um, mm. I was just kind of um, in between jobs. I um, Coffee has always been the dream. In college, I I mean, people would ask me what I wanted to do. I was a comm major at AM, but people would ask me what I wanted to do. And I'd be like, I don't know. I want to have a coffee shop someday. Like that's, Communicate that's, with people. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the dream. And mm. I didn't really think that, I mean, I managed at different coffee shops and things over the years. And Um, I even worked for Orion a couple of shifts early Mm. on. So I was driving along the road one day when I had first moved home from A&M. So in some summer in in 20, Mm -hmm. and he was in front of Roll Shack on Buffalo Gap. And I saw this cute trailer and saw the coffee bean on the side. I was like, oh my goodness, that's a coffee Mm. truck in Abilene. 
So whipped over there, got a cup of, co- cup of coffee. He probably thought I was crazy because I was so excited um, asking him all these questions. And he, um, we exchanged contact information that day. He said he was looking for some part-time help. Mm-hmm. And so I worked a few shifts with him, just taking orders. And so that was obviously back a couple years ago. Right. Um, and then it just kind of all came full circle. I heard that he was selling the business um, and just went on a whim, reached out to him, didn't know that I could ever afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just a godsend. He was just so great to me and helped me just get started. I was able to shadow him for... Um, we probably did we did a couple months worth of events together, um, just working side by side, him just kind of training me in the systems of how the business worked, um, knowing that I was going to purchase it from him. Um, and he actually allowed me to split profit with him 50-50 for um, a couple months so I could save up to to uh-huh. make a down payment and, and take over the business. So. So it was almost kind of like an owner financing setup-ish. Mm-hmm. That okay. is. So did anyone kind of, and I get a lot of these questions, and so I want to try to focus in a little bit on this part. Did anyone try to talk you out of buying it? Or who did you go to say, hey, I'm thinking about this? And they were like, weigh the pros and the cons. So my dad's a business owner. Um, he's got a gas, a full-service gas station and fuel delivery service uh, based out of Hamlin, Texas. Okay. Um, so anyway been in my family for three generations. So as soon as this, I heard about this Mm -hmm. opportunity, I kind of got my plan together, what I was going to say, went, told my parents I needed to talk to them, sat down, kind of presented it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they know that this has been a passion of mine. Um, but it was just to the world's eyes, not the best timing. Um, I had just, uh, purchased my own apartment and didn't have a job at all. So I was in a very uh, turning point mm-hmm. in my life and I didn't know how I was going to make it work. So pitched it to them and they told me there's just no way. They were like, Carly, you know, there's just, you know, maybe you can make this down payment, but all the unforeseen costs of starting a business, I mean, this just it's cool and all, but like, it's just not the right timing. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't think, and we went back and forth and back and forth about it. Um, I was upset, left discouraged. And, um, my dad calls me the next morning and he says, you know, um, maybe you should just call Orion and see if he would just let you be his GM. Mm-hmm. Like you, Orion, you still be the owner. And then let me just manage it for you Mm -hmm. and run all the events. Like I'll put in the heavy lifting. Like I know you don't have the time for it, but let me do this. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we'll take, I'll purchase it. Um, so I did, I was like, okay, I'll take whatever I can get. Like, I want to try that. So I called him, um, and he was ready to get out. He was like, no, if it's not going to be you, then it's going to be somebody else. Like we needed it. So Mm. Then that was when things kind of shifted and we kind of renegotiated and decided to work some events together, kind of extend that timeline a little bit where mm-hmm. he, before he got completely out, um, let me save a little. And then, yeah, that's. So did you have, and this is, this is with a lot of people who are buying a business, but were you able to uh, look at the numbers beforehand and go, all right, this is the monthly without going into specifics, but were you able to go, all right, this is what the business was making, uh, 
six months ago and five months ago and four months ago. And now I'm looking at buying it. Okay. This, this is what on average it's bringing in revenue. This is potential profit. This is the overhead. You were able to mm-hmm. crunch those with, with your dad and go, Hey, this is actually what it's bringing in. Yes. Okay. So Orion had a database full of, I mean, he recorded okay. everything and through, I mean, his square transactions, all that was able to kind of show me um, just based on the cup. He was only probably getting out one to two days a week, just as really a part-time hobby. Mm. Um, not necessarily, I mean, full time sustaining him. Yeah. Um, and so he was able to, yeah, show me that breakdown. And was that part of the appeal for you of looking at it and seeing, man, this guy's making X and he's only going out two days a week. Whereas I, if I go out five, six days a week, right. that's my plan. I'm going to, you know, double, triple those numbers easily. Exactly. Was, okay. I knew that I had an eagerness that was like, okay, I can take what he's doing mm-hmm. and not, I mean, not necessarily like, I know I'm going to take this to the next level, but just I have the time and right. the, yeah, the willingness to put in the, the extra days. Was that part of your, not really pitch, but maybe explanation to mm-hmm. your dad was, hey, here's, he's doing it for two days. I'm going to bring the passion and enthusiasm and triple it up. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So what do you think brought your dad? Well, I guess he then said, well, maybe do the GM. So he didn't quite come around. What brought yeah. what brought them around? And I'm viewing your dad as like for those out there listening. Maybe you're not having to convince your dad, but maybe you're having to convince a reluctant uh, investor or a bank or someone like that out there. So I'm mm-hmm. just curious, what brought him around? <laughs> I don't really know what else to say besides I think I, I he saw my passion for it that night when I was mm. so upset, um, and I also had made up my mind, even though they had told me that no, it couldn't happen, that it probably wasn't the best idea. And I really did want to consider their advice and their wisdom in it because, I mean, they knew um, and they have my best interest in mind. But I was like, I will do whatever it takes. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, I might have to sell my car. I might have to move back home, rent out my apartment and just show them that I'm committed. This isn't just a whim. Yeah. Mm. Was that a good thing for them or they were like, oh, crap, she's going to be living back with us? Or that was like, oh, that's a good thing. We, well, I didn't, I didn't end up having to do it. Okay. Um, or you didn't use it as a threat either. And I didn't use it okay. as a threat. That was okay. just in the back of my mind. Okay. I don't know what brought my dad around. I think just, yeah, I was not going to settle with, with walking away from this opportunity. So he says, hey, maybe try being the GM. Mm-hmm. And you talk to the current owner and he said, no, it's now or nothing. Mm-hmm. And what was the turnaround from, okay, then you guys started kind of negotiating. And yeah. from the moment that you guys said, hey, he said, now it's now or nothing to the time you actually bought it. What was that? Was it two weeks, two months? What was that timeline? It was two months. Okay. Yes. So that was, that conversation we were having was, I think, early January. And then by the... It, March 1st was the date okay. that I purchased. So, And you were still working there, right? Or no? Yes. I, okay. Well, me and Orion agreed to he, – he had events booked out those next couple months already that either he was going to have to work or the new owner was going to have to work. Mm-hmm. And what we agreed upon was we'll work them together because I was – because my dad's big thing was the only way that you can – that I think you should do this – is if you completely understand this business sure. and he needs, or you need to ask him if he will equip you and show right. you. Um, and so that's what we did. And so he, I think in January he had, um, 
Wiley ISD, all their teacher appreciations for every school. Mm. So we went to all the different Wiley schools together and uh, served all their teachers. We had a couple, um, I think one wedding, one um, uh, event catering at um, Encompass Health, different ones. So we worked an indoor event together. We worked some trailer events together. Mm -hmm. We had um, a generator malfunction on us where I got to learn like what he would do in that situation. Just Um, took out a wrench and hit it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we uh yeah, we got to Did he did he show you the 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 back end? So obviously, okay, this is how you make the coffee or we're gonna go do this and you know, or the generator, et cetera. But more the back end of like, hey, here are the books. I enter it in every Friday or once a month, or this is the account that I use, let's go talk with him, or this hey, here's the you know, social media and this is how often I post, or kind of the the less the coffee stuff and more the business side of stuff. Did he show you that stuff as well? Yes, he did. Okay. So he also had a um clientele list that he had been saving every person he'd ever worked with, um, okay. anybody that ever had booked the trailer. Um, gave me a spreadsheet with all those names and contact information and what events that he had done that went really well mm. that might be worth me reconnecting with. And then ones that maybe, eh, you know, not yeah. worth your time. Yeah. Um, so we were able to go through those together um, as well as, yeah, he gave me, um, yeah, documentation as far as all his sales mm-hmm. um, and, and based on how many times a week he went out. So. And a lot of purchase agreements, so I, I'm doing them as the attorney advising. I'm either the seller or the buyer's attorney. And so I'm drafting up those contracts on, okay, we're going to buy this business. And a lot of them, um, you want to make sure that you include a, a time period where, okay, we're going to close on May 1st. And then over the next two weeks or four months, it's written in the contract that the old owner stays on and advises um, the current uh, the new owner. And then maybe for the fifth week, the owner agrees to be on call that way. If that person has Mm -hmm. any questions, um, and that old owner also agrees to, um, contact, um, you know, any customers that they don't provide the information for and say, Hey, here's the new owner, et cetera, smooth things over. So that's normal to be built in a contract. A lot of people, if they don't have an attorney involved, um, forget it or don't think about it. And then they're like, Oh crap, that owner's gone to Fiji, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the day after the closing and they're left going, well, I got to figure all this stuff out. What's the password to the account or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so it sounds like he was pretty good about easing you in. And then you just kind of took over from there. Well, thankfully he was a man of his word because we did not really have any super structured contract. Um, and he, yeah, it made all the introductions for me as well. Like I have, I mean, in my texts, he, grouped us together with um, current bookings he already had and would introduce me as the new owner taking over this mm. event, um, things like that. So if it had been a brick or uh, brick and mortar coffee shop that was up for sale, do you think at the same time as this one, do you think you would have had the same passion for it? Or it was the fact that it was, it was a cute little <clears throat> trailer or little mini food truck, but coffee truck that was like, this is so unique and, and no one else has seen it in Abilene. Maybe you hadn't seen it either. And that's what the passion was for. I guess, would you have been as passionate about it if it was a, a brick or mortar coffee shop that was up for sale instead of this one? That's a really good question. I mean, I think I would have been a lot more intimidated by a brick and mortar. Mm. Um, just thinking about, I guess. Um, because you had a fixed lease and a fixed kind of cost. Right. This seems like less overhead, um, a little bit more manageable. I knew Mm. that I could hit the ground running 
by myself if I had to versus staffing in a brick and mortar, you know. So do you Um, have employees or just you every time? Not just me every time. I have contract workers. So I, since we're mobile and private event bookings, it's, I can't really give employees a set amount of hours a week. So it's more like, well, it really started out. um, Orion, he he told me that, you know, if it's an event less than 50 people, you can probably handle it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Quickly started learning that, I don't think I could do this by myself. I mean, this, mm-hmm. as far as just the e- efficiency wise, mm-hmm. I need somebody taking orders and I need somebody making drinks at the minimum um, to have a good flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that started out being my mother, my sister, my close friends for free labor, mm-hmm. um, just it, all hands on deck um, because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know if I could afford to pay anybody anything. How was that? Uh, and and I've discussed this with several several guests, but the uh, Stacy and Byron of the Shed, mm-hmm. I think most recently, uh, and Haley Joe actually as well. The managing of family as employees versus going a hundred percent no family. We're never hiring family. It's going to be you know just employees. We're going to be close, but I will not you know bridge that line. So here you went from. Um, no employees, just me doing it to now I'm managing my mom, my <laughs> sister, my you know family. How was that kind of being the boss of family members? It was a really cool season. We've transitioned out of that a little bit now. Mm. I'm it's not as much my family. My sister moved across the country, but um I it was actually really neat. They were great to me. Um as far as just wanting to help me succeed in the beginning, mm-hmm. for sure, just um, as I was learning to. Um, but yeah, it is difficult. A thing that I learned, especially too, with people that you're you're really close to, and you know you're working with, and they're seeing, you know, oh, we're doing really well at this event. Like these sales are great. You know, they get mm-hmm. insight to all that. And as your friends and family, you want to share that, and you're excited, and you know, mm-hmm. and you know, at the end of the day, like, they're like, oh, wow, you just profited all this from this thing that I just helped you with. They're mm-hmm. going to see that, which creates a little bit of awkwardness because yeah. yeah. I'm taking away this as the owner. But, you know, I've also had them there at events where we were slow mm-hmm. and dead and I went in the hole that day. And so you yeah. get your same you $12 your an hour. Yeah, either yeah. way. Yeah. And so that's been a, a lesson to learn for me, not to to find the boundary and not oversharing, you know, mm-hmm. but wanting to include people in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's, it kind of dovetails into a little bit of, of a lot of people, a lot of business owners struggle with revenue versus profit. And so if I ask them, Hey, you know, how are you doing? They know right off the top of the head, how much they made that year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's their total revenue. Gross versus. Yeah. yeah. And so people have a hard time at business owners, but especially non-business owners um, say, well, you're making a thousand dollars and they're thinking, oh, that's pure profit. You just made a thousand dollars, but they're not factoring in all your payments for supplies for the the business itself um, to pay your own, to pay taxes, insurance, et cetera. And they go well, out of that thousand. I'm getting to keep a uh, hundred dollars, yeah. let's say. And so they're not factoring in that. They're just seeing the pure uh, revenue. And That's so it so does kind of jade you a little bit or jade them a little bit. Um, or for, yeah, you weren't up at four this morning prepping all this right. beforehand. So my right. time as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot of behind the scenes. So of that investment. Have you been good about, um, being again, we don't need to go into specifics, but 
but um, kind of the revenue versus profit of knowing, hey, this is actually what I am taking home today. Mm-hmm. It's not my revenue. I, oh, I had a great brought in lot, but man, I had to spend more on supplies and more on labor. And actually, my take home pay was lower, even though I brought in more. Are you pretty good about keeping those numbers on on mind? I am learning. It is a learning process. Mm. Um, oh, Ryan, also the previous owner, he helped me with that in the beginning as well, as far as just knowing cost of goods and what, I mean, what actually do I have in this cup of coffee before I'm, you know, mm-hmm. up so, or in charging it out the door. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I am learning on that, that aspect. Um, it's a tough thing also, especially with coffee is that you, you could say, well, for every, I'm going to make up numbers, but I have, for every cup of coffee, I have 20 cents of overhead in that cup of coffee. But if I, if I sell a hundred of them, I have 20 cents in a overhead is in each coffee. But if I sell a thousand of them, I have 17 cents of overhead. Right. And so it obviously deals with scale, but it's hard to keep, keep track of that. Yes. And I'm finally getting to that place too, is where like at the beginning I was like, okay, I can only afford to buy this one case of cups right now, which is costing me more per cup mm-hmm. versus if I could buy in bulk. Right. And, and so, um, for instance, there was a recent that the company that I purchased all my like custom sleeves and things through had a big, um, black Friday sale. Uh, um, that was my first, like kind of difficult business owner purchase that I had to like cough up. It was exciting, mm-hmm. but I had to cough up a big lump sum of money in order to save money in the long run. Right. Um, cause okay. All these cups are 30% off. I need to buy as much as I can right now. Do I want to? Is this the Black Friday shopping I want to do? I don't know. But um, worth it in the end. Hopefully, you know, in six months from now, I'm going to see, you know, that cash flow kind of build up because I was saving money. Yeah. What um, what tweaks have you made from since buying it that you've been able to kind of um, – be more efficient in order to save or make more money that he was doing this well, besides ramping up total days, uh, you know, he was only doing it two days. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it, you know, four or five or whatever mm-hmm. the numbers are. But other than that, anything like, okay, is it just, I'm going to buy more in bulk and that's going to be my main efficiency saving and I'm going to make more money that way. Or what other kind of tweaks have you done that he maybe just didn't care or was didn't put in the time that you've been like, ah, I've really taken it to the next level. Anything come to mind? Um, I think, I mean, hugely it's been, um, including, you know, more people just, I, we learned in the beginning, we were just serving on the, the front side of the trailer and serving the drinks out. I just never, mm. so that we have two windows, we have the front window on the front side of the trailer, mm. and then there's a side window that's just a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime I'd ever worked with him, we just took orders out that front window, made the drink handed that same drink out the front window. And I started figuring out, I was like, you know, we should really move people to the side and start handing out this side window. So we started doing that, creating a better flow and in that direction. Um, Also figured out um, with the equipment that we had, you know, he used to do hot drinks only. Um, And I started learning, you know, I think we might save a little bit of time if we offered ice drinks as well. it would, you know, kind of help the process if we're not having to steam all this milk. Um, it's a lot quicker to get a cold drink out the door than a hot one. Um, and we just were learning that that will help just the whole um, – the equipment itself keep up just 
um, with the boiler and everything like that. But I won't get into all the nerdy espresso. Well, and it allows you to operate during the summer, I would, I would think, Absolutely. because yes. more people want uh, ice drinks. Then do you know what his rationale was for not having ice drinks? Was it, hey, that's going to require more equipment and it's not enough room? Or what was his rationale for not doing it? Just um, and, you know, he might have a little in the summers, mm. um, but I I think just, yeah, the space, having the ice on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I guess, um, true coffee connoisseurs um, tend to lean more towards hot only. Mm, yeah. um, and so I think that was more just fit what he was going for. I don't know if this is true or not. This is what I was always told, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that uh, a big uh, coffee chain invented, quote-unquote, uh, iced coffee because they every day they always had a lot of extra coffee that was not drink in their, in their mm-hmm. thermos, the big thermos things, whatever the technical term is. And so they just started pouring the old coffee from the previous day on ice and serving that, and so it made them money and saved them saved them money. So it was a double, double win. Um, I don't know if that's still how it's done now, but I know now you have cold brew and and all this kind of stuff, but um, it's gotta be great though, just from a business side, because I always, I don't like iced coffee. I never get it, but just from a business perspective, I always appreciate it or juice as well, because you take a a cup and you fill it with ice and then really it's only like a a quarter or half of it is, but people love it and they, that's all they drink Mm -hmm. all day long. Well, good job. And so it's good it's for the business. It's funny because all the people, we only have one size, I guess, any, mm. any in hot or cold. So 12 ounce in hot and then 16 ounce in ice. And a lot of the times mm. people will ask, well, what's your largest size? And I'll say, well, we have the 12 ounce in the hot, 16 ounce in the ice. Like, oh, I for right. sure want the ice. It's like, well, <laughs> you're putting the ice in it. So really, <laughs> I mean, you're getting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's, so what, what all, um, since we're on the topic of drinks, what all, drinks do you serve just kind of in broad strokes so all espresso based drinks so everything i mean you're getting that those two shots of espresso Mm -hmm. fresh we don't do frappuccinos i get that question a lot um why do you not from a business perspective so frappuccinos are blended um meaning i would have to have blenders Mm. and the energy to um yeah Use those sense. those machines um, and rinse them out. And we only have a certain amount of water in a water tank um, inside a food trailer versus mm-hmm. an unlimited supply you'd have like at a brick and mortar to rinse the rinse dishes. And are frappuccinos not considered uh, by the connoisseurs like real coffee? I, I wouldn't <laughs> consider them real coffee, but I, I'm not a well, coffee Well, they're loaded with sugar. So are you really tasting the coffee? No. That's true. That's true. But mm. – um, Cappuccinos. I think we talked a little bit before you said cappuccinos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'll get a lot of people that order a cappuccino thinking it's a frappuccino. Mm. Definitely not. Do you warn thing. them now or you're just like, hey, they said it? You know, I tell um, my girls when they're working to read the customer. A lot of it is is a psychological game mm. with who's ordering. It's like you kind of have to read and see like, do, are you the kind of person that knows what a cappuccino is? Or do you think you're getting something that's going to be really sweet? (laughs) And so then at that point, talking them through it is key. That's a, that's a great point. I don't think, I don't know if they were trained about it, but whenever I ordered a cappuccino for the first time since coming back, I wanted to start trying them here. I do remember the, the girl who took my order. I forget where it was. It may have been at Monk's and they were like, are you sure you want a cappuccino? (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, I think I do. And they were like, all right. And and if I wasn't so sure, I would have, you know, that would have been my alert that right. maybe it's not what I think it is. And it's crazy um, generationally how um, young people are getting so educated about coffee. We did um, a middle school dance uh, last weekend. And um, yeah, they hired out a coffee truck. Now the moms um, asked if we could do decaf only. And so um, whether or not the kids knew the beans were decaf. Yeah. Eh. Wow. But I had so many young kids come up, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I'll have two shots of espresso, please. And I was like, <laughs> okay, try and talk them through it. You sure you know what that is? You know what's going to come in this two ounce cup? It's really small. And confidently come back mm. for more. I'm just like, wow, this that is, is different. weird. That's what's the point of an espresso shot if it's decaffeinated? Well, they didn't know it was decaf. Yeah. Oh, okay. But so normal people don't order that. Uh, no. And okay. we we only normal people. Uh, we non children don't want that. <laughs> we normally don't even have decaf beans um, in the trailer, so we normally are fully okay. caffeinated. That right, was a rare right. occasion, but still, yeah. just the fact that to me, uh six-year-old girl would think to order straight shots of espresso was... And the parents wanted that? They were like, we want you there and, and bring decaf yes. only. and hot chocolate. Yeah. What was their rationale for that? Like the moms are like, this is going to be good for them to learn early on? Or they just thought it would be... Different? I think just a fun thing. Oh, you mean to have us out there? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a cold night. I think they really wanted hot chocolate. And then I was like, well, we're a coffee truck, so we'll mm. come. But we got to have coffee. Okay. And so, and I think them just having to, yeah, realize that kids do want coffee. I mean, I mean it's, it's true. It's, it's you know, we were always told that it stunts your growth as you, as you, <laughs> you know, you're growing. But uh, it does seem to be my, uh, I think it was one of my nieces uh, was drinking it and she was, it was decaf. But uh, I was just like, man. And I forget how old she is, under 10. But mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I don't, different times, but. Uh, yeah, I was told no at that age. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we were told. Uh, so what's your favorite, uh, what's like the, the your favorite purest form of coffee? Like this is how you can, de you can detect who's a real coffee aficionado versus not. Like what's your insight there? I get really excited if somebody comes up and orders a Cortado. Yeah, I don't think I've ever even heard of that. So that's. So, a is cortado. it with a Q or a C? No, C. C, yeah. okay, Cortado. Oh, I have heard of it. Okay. What is it? It's equal parts espresso and steamed milk. So it comes traditionally in like um, probably a five-ounce cup. Um, so you're going to get the two ounces of espresso and then two mm -hmm. ounces of steamed milk. So you're really going to taste. It's kind of like a step uh, down from a cappuccino. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cappuccino is a three-layer one. Right. Whereas Cortado is a two-layer one. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I tried that over in Italy, and and I could taste the coffee too much. Yeah, Whereas the cappuccino you can't. So, uh, or you can, but not as much. So I always went cappuccino. Get a little bit more milk. Yeah. yeah. So a cortado, if you want to impress coffee <laughs> aficionados, you get a cortado. Okay. Uh, one thing that I have really, and maybe this is common, but I've I've discovered it over in over in Italy doing the cappuccinos twice a day, is that I would take brown sugar. And I would um, sprinkle it on top, and then I would wait a little bit until the – and I wouldn't stir it in, but I would just let it um, kind of melt on top, and it would do, it would kind of melt into like a cream brulee type, type just of – Just dissolve. Yeah, so and then good. you got a little crispiness mm -hmm. on top, and then you can drink it, and you're getting a little sugar. And you still don't mix it up, but you're getting a little sugar on top with each drink. And it was very good, and it really hid the taste of coffee. That's one of I my favorite it. ways to drink it, too. Yeah, it was – With raw sugar as well, you can do that. 
with the white raw sugar? Yeah. Oh, okay. Or just, yeah. I've always done it with the brown sugar just because it's thicker and tends mm-hmm. to stay on top, but I'll try that. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. I won't say I'm addicted to them now, but they are, they're a great way to start your day. Um, let me, let me look over here. So when you were purchasing the business, uh, any good resources out there that you were like, crap, I'm going to be running a business and I've never run a business and your background degree was communications. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously you had, you had kind of gotten some help from the current owner, but was that, was there a kind of a moment of panic of like, Ooh, maybe I need to reach out and, yes. and get some resources. What did you do? So, um, back in high school, I worked for big country coffee. Oh, okay. Um, and even on my summer breaks and Christmas breaks, I would come home and, and work for them here and there. Mm. Um, so I've maintained a relationship with the owners, uh, Courtney and Cody Myers. Mm. Um, so they were one of the first people, people that I reached out to. Actually, they, they contacted me, which is really sweet. Um, I remember yeah. Courtney sent me a message and just, uh, let me know that if there was anything that I ever needed that they were here. So, um, Yes, I did find myself in kind of um, a lonely place a, a few months in. Mm. I had really been, you know, dependent on my dad um, just in the first few months wanting to prove myself in a lot of ways. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to work hard and we're going to make this hum. And then as I started to kind of rely on him and ask him questions, he would – we'd have long, really good conversations and come to the end and him be like, I just don't think I'm the best person to help you and give you this advice. I mean, I'm – in the gas industry. And I, you know, this isn't really apples to apples. Um, And I was struggling to find, you know, someone that was doing what I'm doing still. I mean, Courtney and Cody have been awesome resources. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as the, the mobile aspect, somebody, um, cause it is, it is different. Um, But they've been great to me and I even wholesale from them um, on a few items. And so, go by and have um, good conversations with Cody and uh, just get his advice on things, which has been, which has been a great resource. So, so on the mobile side, where would you, where would you get advice from? You go, well, let me talk to food truck owners or you're just like, "Mm, I'm just going to wing it and figure it out as I go. Food trucks really different because um, obviously it's food, different industry. So um, I actually contacted. um, So on Instagram, there's an amazing company, um, Night Owl Coffee. Um, which is a genius name. They do a lot of evening events, do weddings and things like yeah. that. They have coffee carts. Um, I frequently in their DMs. <laughs> um, Where are they out of? Dallas. Okay. Um, just North Texas area in general. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, I reached out to them for lots of different things, just a lot of their aesthetics too, wondering where they get their menu. Um, and they've been great to respond to me and actually um, invited me back in October to attend um, an online conference that they were hosting just out of the goodness of their hearts, um, basically just getting together mobile coffee bars in the area all over the world. Um, So they had a guest speaker um, from Australia on there. Um, I mean, coffee carts in Houston area, different places, Mm -hmm. um, all just on Zoom. Um, And we just listened in to um, their insights on things. So they've, that was amazing and really helped encourage me mm-hmm. fairly early on um, just to feel like I was, it seems really silly and cliche, but just heard in some of the silly struggles that um, yeah. other mobile coffee business owners are going through. So, Well, and also it, it kind of in that vein, it must have helped if you're the only mobile coffee here. At, you know, there's got to be at some point, 
why am I the only one here? Am I an idiot doing this? <laughs> you know, it, when you're the pioneer, you're the only one doing something first. There's always that moment of like, why am I the only one yes. doing this? And so the seeing doubt. those others out there has, has got to be, okay, all right. right, we're bringing something new to Abilene, but it's not like I'm the only idiot in the world. Like this has been tried and true and I'm just the yes. first one bringing it here. Yes. So that's for sure it was affirmation. Um, so, and, and again, with your mobility, it's a little different, but do you ever, are you ever concerned about coffee saturation where there's others oh, coffee shop here, coffee shop here, you know, there's one every other corner. Is that a concern or for you being mobile, it's, it's less of a concern than say the brick and mortars. Competition can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the coffee saturation thing doesn't worry me. And I think it does have to do with me being mobile versus a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Um, I get the question every day, where's, where's your shop? When are you going to have your shop? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I, in the beginning, let that pressure kind of get to me a little bit, um, feeling like that was the requirement. That was what needed to be the next step. And um, really, it was after that conference with Night Owl and just kind of just seeing how these other mobile coffee businesses have really paved the way in their areas. I was like, you know, that maybe isn't where this is headed. Mm -hmm. um, and I've fallen in love with the mobile side and just getting to go where the people are and being somewhere new every, almost every day versus same stagnant mm -hmm. place. Not that a coffee shop can't be its own amazing atmosphere that is right. different every day with, and regulars are fun too, your regular customers. Um, so yes, there's pros and cons to it all, but I think that, I want to stay mobile. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's less about becoming mick mortar and maybe uh, getting a bigger trailer so that in next year you're a semi-trailer. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. Huh. So you just pulled the trailer behind your car and that's that? Or how does it, how does it go around? Because it's not an RV. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, that was a... <laughs> That was a thing to get past in the very beginning. That was another reason. That was one of my dad's points of me not being able to do this. Yeah. Because um, you were driving a car, right? Uh, yes, a, a small little crossover mm -hmm. um, that could not pull sure. this camper. So um, thankfully, my um, grandparents had an extra work pickup. This is a 1999 Chevy pickup. Um, not the cutest thing ever. But does the AC work? I feel like that's all you need. We got that fixed okay. this summer. That need. was an investment that was much worth it. Um, hmm. But that was, um, they, they've allowed me to borrow that just to be able to make this dream wow. happen. So nice. how is the, and now that I'm on that point, is the trailer AC? I mean, it does, does it, have it, AC. Okay. Um, if we, if we run it, that's also been um, an obstacle to get over just, with the generator the capacity, it's kind mm -hmm. of kind of tricky to be able to run everything at once. So, is there a? And I'm trying to think. I know whenever we had the brewery, whenever we had food trucks, the generators were always an issue, whether it was the sound or the smoke, maybe or the mm -hmm. smell or whatever it was. Uh, and and the food trucks were always like, well, we want to park over at, in this way, pivoted this way, or in a certain position, whatever it was. Is there a goal where? Is there an alternative to the regular generator that once we make enough money, we can buy this thing that's quiet or or no smoke? I don't know. Um, so the generator that I have right now, the one that um, Orion originally had, 
um, is a Cummins and it's actually one of the quietest generators you can find. So I haven't had a big problem on noise level at weddings. We get there early, we start everything up, um, get everything warm. And during ceremony time, we turn it off. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) this is another, um, this was a cool thing that my, my dad did for me. I was having generator issues running everything in this, um, summer, was having some sweaty days in the trailer Mm -hmm. and he took it upon himself to go and find me a big generator, get it bolted into my pickup. Such a cool gift. So glad he did it. Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't do a ton of research and, um, or he didn't really talk to Mm -hmm. me before doing it. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was a lot louder and a lot um, put off a lot more exhaust than, than what we needed. So it, it's the backup of all backups. We don't use it a ton. Um, and it's so the in goal the pickup. it is. Okay. And so um, that's for really high capacity events. If we're able to use it, mm-hmm. um, I think the the long term goal is to get a second of the small Cummins and link them together. Right. Um, are you able to since the the big generator is in the the pickup bed? Are you able to advance park the, you know detach the pickup truck park it a little ways away? And then, and then run the run generator it. and then run a cable that way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, on customers, you, you kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, and I made a note to myself. So with you being mobile, um, the, there's a difference, obviously, between you and you and a brick and mortar. Is your customer the drinker or is the customer the venue owner? Like, who are you reaching out to? Um. Well, I would say... It depends on the booking, um, but mm. yes, the for for bookings it would be the whoever has contacted us mm-hmm. to have us for that day. So whoever, right. um, but we have one place that we go on a regular basis, which is Dias Air Force Base, um, and that is one of I mean the only spots that we go and do individual sale um, and charge directly or sell directly to the public there, mm-hmm. um, and so. There we have regulars. There that those are our customers. And right. we even have on these, you know, more private event bookings where we do like large staff appreciations or things like that. We have our regulars that just connected through social media will come and find us mm-hmm. at those events. So those are our But when you're advertising, are you you know, for a brick and mortar, let's say a downtown coffee shop, their their goal is to reach um you know, Bob Smith, who drinks coffee four times a week or five times a week, they're targeting that person to come in, come in, come in, remember mm-hmm. to come in mm-hmm. that individual person. And hopefully we get, you know, 500 Bobs that day. Whereas for you, a lot of it's mobile and you don't really care if, I mean, you, you know, you're not targeting Bob Smith every mm-hmm. day of the week. You're really targeting Bob Smith's boss mm-hmm. who wants to for you to come to a venue. So do you, is your marketing different? Yes. And I've had to learn that as well. Um, I think in the beginning I was so Mm. focused on get the cool reels out there, you know, Mm. show the cool latte art, these and that, which is still fun to do. But yeah, the end goal really is to um, connect with brides, um, Mm. get their attention, um, principals of schools, PTO, um, yeah, those are the kind of clients that that we're trying to connect with, and yeah, yeah, market towards treat your staff this way, you know, things like that. Is that? I mean, that's that's great insight right there. You know, you always hear the expression of know your customer, and I feel like a lot of people 
uh, gloss over that and they say, well, my customer, like with coffee, well, anyone, you know, uh, 16 through 80 would enjoy coffee. So everyone's mm-hmm. my customer. But whenever you, okay, well, maybe it's your ideal customer. Who's your ideal customer that you, mm-hmm. you know, can rely upon or make the most money <laughs> off of or, or whatever. Um, for you, it sounds like you've gotten the great insight of, Hey, that's not actually my customer. The venue owner is my customer. Yeah. Um, was that something that the previous owner, Orion, really showed you, hey, you're going to be contacting the venues. This is how I get it. And so it was from day one, you knew whether you articulated that or not, that's my customer, or that's something you had to kind of figure out on your own. I think I kind of had to figure it out more on my own. I think um, it hit me that, yeah, you can work really hard to try to, you know, you're going to have to sell like thousands of cups of coffee, you know? So the, the, the customers, yeah, I'm trying to reach are those, um, venue owners, the other, even the other vendors when I'm at events and things like that, that's going to be more of my word of mouth Mm -hmm. connecting me to future events, um, are the people that I think were working extra hard to impress. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, brought to my attention to at the um, conference that I did online with the other caterers and just realizing that we're so much more than coffee. Mm. It's so, it's more about, you know, it's a service based industry and a catering based, you know, industry versus just, um, do you like the taste of this cup? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a place to surf the web right. on your computer. Right. Yeah. Or we're in, you know, in an entertainment, like we're, we're elevating your event, you know, mm-hmm. um, by coming in and creating a, a fun experience for your guests. So how do you, uh, you said brides were, a, were a big target. How do you, from a coffee shop perspective, how do you go about targeting brides? Like, is that through, Hey, uh, hashtags or is that through, uh, um, Yes. Social media is huge. Um, I'll say one thing I did in the beginning because I knew I really wanted to get into the wedding industry, um, was I had a good friend from college who was getting married, um, out of, out of town. So she, I forgot where it was near the Austin area. So, um, typically for weddings, we don't travel that far with the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, and she reached out kind of last minute towards her wedding and asked for a quote and, um, I was so excited. I, you know, we hadn't done um, any r- really very many weddings. I had one lined up with a, uh, that Orion had already had booked, um, but we hadn't done it yet. So it was one of my first ones. Gave her the quote of of what he had kind of told me what ra- um, price range to keep it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she got back to me and was like, you know, I just don't I think this close to the wedding. We just can't commit. I don't think we can book you. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so sad. And I just thought about it and I go, you know, I really want to make this work. I just told her, I called her. I said, Abigail, like, I really need this opportunity. Mm. Like, let's figure out what works for you guys as far as price range. And so we negotiated down, worked something out. And I would say it was just about a wash for me with the just the travel and everything that went into going and, and actually working the event. Mm-hmm. But I knew that it was going to mean so much to get there, to get content that evening, um, and hopefully um, – also just game experience knowing yeah. how, you know, being at a wedding like that. Yeah. Um, and so that was awesome for us. Um, and she ended up, you know, writing a review for our page. We got photos back from her photographers with, um, her as a bride holding her coffee cup. And, uh-huh. um, so ended up working out really well. So are you good about getting, 
um, customers to do reviews on social media? Um, I've recently made it my mission. I, uh, at the beginning we weren't, I think we were just on Facebook reviews. I didn't mm. know that you had to ha create a Google, a Google review account on Google to be able to receive Google reviews. Uh, and since we're mobile, um, that was a little bit complicated because it wants you to give an address and all these things. Yeah. So kind of had to refigure that. So recently created a Google review page. Okay. And since then I've tried really hard to stay on top of it. And after every event that we do, um, contact the client and ask them to leave us a review on our page to send them a link to, to yeah. do, to get feedback. And that's a question that I'd like to ask, um, uh, guests that are in retail or, or, um, that actually sell a product. Um, how do you get good feedback? And I'll, while you're maybe thinking about that, I'll, I've told the story once or twice, but I'd like to kind of explain it to the guests, but also for those listening who haven't, um, cause it was a good insight from, for me was whenever we had the brewery, if I just, and I loved bartending. And so I would jump behind the bar and bartend and it was just a great way to socialize and, you know, just, just talk with people. And, uh, so I would hand them a beer and, and obviously as a, um, um, a brewery, we want to know, Hey, is this good beer, bad beer? What are your thoughts? But if I just handed a beer and said, Hey, what did you think about this? So inevitably they would say, Oh, it's a good beer. Like it's face to face. They're not going to typically be rude to me. And they're going to say, well, this is actually, I, I mean, I'm struggling to drink this. Even if it was a bad beer, they say, Oh yeah, it's fine. Um, and so getting good feedback was hard, but I found that if I handed them the beer and, and said something along the lines of, Hey, if we were to submit this to a national competition, a brewery competition, what should we change or tweak in order to win that competition or that this should win gold? And just by asking in that way, it allowed them to, it was okay to criticize me because now we're on the same team trying to win this imaginary trophy. And it opened the doors automatically of, yeah, the blueberry's a little heavy. Maybe, maybe back that up a little bit or, you know, uh, whatever the, their critique was, but just by, by rephrasing the same question and bringing them on board, um, I got the most honest feedback that you can get. Whereas if we, you know, sometimes we'd put like little, sometimes it worked, we'd put little papers on the table and, you know, you get a free beer if you fill out this, you know, which favorite beer or whatever. And those mm -hmm. sometimes worked, but really that one-on-one -on -one feedback was good, but some businesses can't do that or some businesses won't get the good feedback. And so each business is a little different. So I'm always curious. You can always tell with like a restaurant who's not good about getting feedback is all the reviews are just horrible mm -hmm. online because that restaurant isn't soliciting in, right. in store the good feedback. Um, so how do you go about getting feedback on the coffee or how you're doing an event? Let's say both sides of it. If any, a lot of different. So I did learn that in the beginning because I was thinking, man, I never hear what people think. Like I'm mm -hmm. serving this and they're walking away. And I, since we're mobile going different places, I see them day, throwing it out in the grass. Like, and then I can <laughs> No, the best thing is whenever you watch somebody walk away and you see them just tilt their head back up to the sky and you're mm. like, I know that drink just hit for them. Um, I would say se several different ways. Um, I've got a couple girls who work for me who have um, have have coffee experience. Are coffee connoisseurs? Always kind of run drinks by them, have them mm -hmm. try it. Um, the other thing is, I've I've really grown to love being out at Dice as well for this reason because that is the one place that we actually have 
repeat customers mm-hmm. um, um, on a regular basis, twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we formed relationships with those people as they come back um, and just tell them like, I want to know what you genuinely think about this. And if you do not like this drink, I'll make you another one for free. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like that's, that's working. Maybe I'm naive and they're just lying to my face, but I've had people tell me eh, it needs a little bit less of this, a little bit more of this. Um, and if so, I'll add a pump in there for them or this yeah. or that. Um, Especially once you've built up kind of a community and they feel connected and part of your business, yes. then they're like, Hey, I'm not criticizing you. I'm helping our our coffee community right here. Right. So I tend to, yeah, to go back to those same guinea pigs that I've had. (laughs) And that's just verbal Mm -hmm. kind of deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, What would, what would you say makes a great cup of coffee? And I'm going to dovetail into another question on, on the taste of coffee and et cetera. But if, if you had to, you know, without saying quality, quality is obviously kind of where you start if you want to make a great cup of coffee, but anything, Anything come to mind of this is what people screw up with? The role of taking orders is so much bigger than people make it out to be. Okay. So I think that, and, and that's one of my favorite parts about the job is getting to really talk through with people mm. what they're going to like and ask them questions about why they're ordering what they're ordering. Because so often people are just quick to, uh, they're stressed. They don't, they want to make it say, uh, ice vanilla latte. Right. It's like, let's, let's spice it up a little bit. What, you know, and, and so just talking them through, um, you know, what might really work for them is, is how I've found that they're like more success in, mm-hmm. in what they're, they are drinking. So sounds like, and we had the same thing with the brewery, but people get intimidated whenever they're, you know, they've been waiting in line, they've got people behind them and you know, coffee, but mm-hmm. I don't know coffee well. And, and so I've never really branched out and I'm kind of afraid to branch out. And so mm-hmm. whenever I get up to this and okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And you know, if a mistake's made, okay, well, I'll just, um, I'll still drink it or I'll, you know, deal with it later. But they're, you know, I, in my opinion, people get intimidated same way with, uh, breweries, you know, we would have people go, well, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of options up there. Just give me a Bud Light. Like, well, this is a brewery we don't serve, right. but like, you know, cores and right. whatnot. And so, um, I could see the intimidation factor. Do you, um, how do you take the intimidation factor out of it for the people? Is it just through converse, conversation whenever they get up to the front and they're like, Hey, you know, obviously you say, Hey, how are you doing? But how, do, how would you go about removing the intimidation factor? For yes. Someone? So definitely trying to read the customer as they walk up. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, have a little menu sign that we've had from the beginning that actually Orion started. Um, and it's, it says what's in your cup mm-hmm. and it gives images of all the different kinds of the fancy coffee names. Nobody understands. Cortado. Macchiato, Cortado, Cappuccino. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in all those? And it kind of shows that breakdown, um, which I think is, is really reassuring for people mm-hmm. or just educational for people. Um, and also just, trying to a lot of times if I can tell that a customer um, is a little bit stressed or out of their comfort zone, giving a spiel at the beginning of here's what we do. Here's what we make. Everything gets two shots of espresso. We can do it hot or iced. Just pick your flavor to this and that. I mean, just kind of walking them through. I think it is mostly conversational. What's the one cup, whether it's straight coffee, espresso, whatever, what's the one thing that you guys make better than any other coffee shop out there? 
What do you think? If you had to stack your one drink against anyone else, what would it be? Would it be your, like a one shot of espresso or would it be your, this flavor of drip coffee or what do you got? I do think we have a great espresso. Um, I would hope so with your name. Yes. Which is how (laughs) everything, I mean, that's the base of all the drinks. So, Mm -hmm. um, but we have a, a recent front runner that came out of nowhere. Um, we started serving this, uh, quickly came up with a seasonal menu before we, um, did, we were part of Christmas carousel, um, oh, this yeah. year in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, there was a, we came up with a brown sugar cinnamon brevet, which is, was just came out of me just trying to make a drink for myself. Um, and kind of just knowing what I like, but anyway, um, it's just real brown sugar, real cinnamon, two shots of espresso. And instead of like regular milk, it's cream. Mm. That so get behind. Get behind it's that. extra good. Now, if you're, you've got a dairy intolerance, it might not be for you, but, um, it's been a front runner and I've been telling customers that it's not going to go away with the seasonal menu because it's, yeah. What did I have? Uh, I had a cappuccino somewhere and they were out of whatever is normally used regular milk or something. And so they asked me, well, would you be okay with, I think half and half or something or heavy cream or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, give it a shot. And it was delicious. I mean, it was sweeter and it was obviously the head was much thicker and just like, yeah, it was good. all It around. does something it. to the coffee. Like I'm yeah. like that cream just brings out yeah. the flavor even more. So yeah. it's, that's the one I would recommend it. Um, so I feel like as soon as you own your own business, maybe you already thought about this way. Entrepreneurs, you know, just think about things differently, which I think makes them more interesting to talk to. But now that you are a business owner, whenever you go into other coffee shops, um, I would assume that it's almost inevitable that you're looking, okay, what are they doing? Right. What are they doing wrong? What can I be doing better? Oh, that's a good idea. I should incorporate that in, um, whether you go in there, thinking that or that's your plan or not, that's kind of what you're, you're always kind of comparing your current mm-hmm. business to whatever, whatever, you know, else is out there. What would you say again, without naming names, what would you say? Um, and there may be a particular one you have in mind, but you don't have to name it, but what are, what's a coffee shop out there doing badly? And I feel like we learn from mistakes or we learn, Oh, that's something I want to make sure I'm not doing. Anything jump out of like, man, I'm, I'm seeing this or this is a this is a bad mistake that this coffee shop's making that I definitely want to make sure we're not doing anything come to mind. I think it's and I have to to work hard to not do this as well um, because I'm people pleaser at heart. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of times coffee shops work really hard to bend over backwards for people and have a very large variety of a menu. Mm. Um and I think you just wear yourself out doing that and make it overwhelming for your customers looking at such a large, mm-hmm. so many options. Yeah. Um, and for us, especially being mobile, we found customers have a lot of grace in that area, which is, which is cool because we are mobile. They don't expect, I guess, every single thing that you would find at Starbucks mm-hmm. and all the different milks and substitutes and foams and things. Um, but even if we were brick and mortar, I think keeping it simple is, is key. 
Do you find though that you um, do you lose customers because they're oh this is a this is for coffee aficionados and I just I drink my drip coffee every day and that's that it's just to get me through the day and they're like oh they taste it and they're like this it's legit good espresso but that's not what they're used to they're used to a frappuccino and they're like this is crap right and so they don't do you lose a customer are you concerned about losing customers that way or they're like hey we're not for everyone um I would say. 90% of the time, we're not going to lose the customer because they're already there and we can typically mm. make something that they're going to enjoy or convince right. them that they're going to like it. They should try it. Right. Or just pour <laughs> um, more sugar in. Yeah. And for majority of events that we're doing, the drink is covered for them. So That's true. it's like, don't pass up on the freebie. Um, we, we can do the more plain stuff as well, um, Americano, but we do have... Some people that, you know, might turn up their lip at an Americano, it's hot water, shots of espresso versus their mm -hmm. um, brewed Keurig cup that they prefer. Um, but the two people that prefer that aren't worth me making an entire pot of coffee. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Shifting to oh supply chain issues. So you talked a little bit about buying things in bulk mm -hmm. Black Friday. Um, but have you had any supply chain issues over the last, say, well, you've had it since February, so we're coming out of the pandemic, but we still have some supply chain issues. But mm -hmm. anything that you've had that's, um, I would say we are. So we are on a smaller scale, a little bit less overhead. I'm not stocking a warehouse full of things. Um, mm -hmm. but the lead times are are pretty far out. So I have to really be forward thinking, which has been a learning curve for mm -hmm. me as far as just preparation, um, keeping inventory, all those things. I mean, I had a season there this summer where um, I didn't realize it. We I, we custom we get custom sleeves from a company, um, mm. and they were nine weeks out. And I went. I probably had a couple months that we did not have our cute turquoise sleeves because they just we couldn't get them. So what'd you end up doing? Just buying like uh, generic ones from a local shop? We yeah, we got generic ones and stamped them. So in my off oh. time, I would stamp them with our logo. Um, so yeah. So nothing where you've been like, oh, crap, we don't have any coffee today because of supply chain issues. It hasn't been anything major like that. It's been okay. No, nothing okay. nothing major like that. Um, been able to stay on top of it, thankfully. And if I, it, honestly, it's probably just me is the biggest fault, just forgetting to order something. So mm. I've had to learn <laughs> to stay on top of things. And it, so do, do any of your employees or independent contractors, do they do any of that or you, that's your responsibility? Not yet. No, it's, okay. all, it's all me. Is that a goal of yours to have someone okay on the back end of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Delegating you, is a goal. <laughs> what's What's the the plan on that? Is that two months away? A year from a uh, year from now? Um. Right now, it, it's it's been okay um, and fairly manageable. Just me. Um, I think it's been a little bit harder in the colder month season. We're just. A, pretty busy right now. I think mm -hmm. things tend to slow down in the summers. So, um, we'll be able to definitely catch back up then. Um, it, it's kind of just dependent. I've got a couple girls right now that are manager material. I would love to have them long-term. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't know, um, how, yeah. you know, it just is going to depend on their season of life and, um, just what we can work out. <laughs> yeah. Would, uh, just speaking of, of summer or winter being busy and then summer being kind of uh, slower, since you are mobile, do you ever think about, all right, well, next summer I'm just going to drive up to, uh, 
Maine or wherever, Vermont, where everyone's up there for this, you know, maybe the summer, I don't know where people are in the summer, but where it's cooler and then you come back down in the fall to Abilene. Or is that, that's just ridiculous. Oh my goodness, that's a genius place. Oh. <laughs> Here you are. Like, I should totally do that. Um, I... Less, it's been less that and more. I was actually on the phone not too long ago with um, another food truck owner, mm. um, Hearts Barbecue, and oh, she yes. was mentioning to me, um, asking me to take over an event that she was supposed to be at and couldn't. Um, and she said, girl, it's just too hot. It was th- this summer. She goes, I work hard in the cold months. And she was like, I take off in the summers. And I was yeah. like, what a concept. Like, maybe I should just grind right now and take some time off. Yeah. Um, but – Taking the trailer somewhere cooler could be she's she's really cool. She came out, the owners of Hearts Barbecue. Mm -hmm. We did uh whenever we had the carbon fires um back February, I think it was, uh a few buddies and I did a um a drive um outside Lowe's for the rebuilding supplies. So we have people donate wheelbarrows and trash bags and shovels and things that you actually need to rebuild. Not not water and Gatorade, which they always get a ton of, but we wanted to look at what's rebuilding stuff. So we did uh he had a thirty, I think, forty foot trailer out there and uh we were out there for four or five hours and just I think we did like ten thousand dollars worth of supplies donated. And she came up and donated a bunch of um of the plastic containers for the food container stuff. And so it was just, it was just bags and bags of that, that she donated. I thought that was really sweet. And, um, she, yeah, yeah, she was the head yeah. honcho for, we did like a food trucks for firefighters or something and did like percentage mm. back of sales and did yeah. that too as well. Yeah, she was, I was very impressed. So if you get the chance, hearts, barbecue, food trucks, very yes. good. Um, let's see. So we talked a little bit before we started recording, but, um, apps, um, and, being 23, I would assume that you probably know a lot more apps or about apps than I do, or, or most of the business owners out there, you know, say plus 40. What are some good apps for that you use, if any, for managing? We'll start with your business. What comes to mind? Um, Just to make you more efficient or to manage your time or manage your, your, your daily tasks or whatever, anything? I do use an app that manages my expenses. Um, mm. Rocket Money, I think, is the name of it. Rocket Money. Um, and it really doesn't do much, and I don't even pay for the subscription. I just have the free what it mm-hmm. what it offers. Um, but just kind of gives a breakdown of where my money's going. Like it'll it'll lay out a pie chart of this is how much you spent on gas this month. This is how much you spent on um, groceries. This is how much you spent on. You um, link your subscriptions, your you link cards. it to your, okay. your, your accounts. accounts. Okay. Um, and it just kind of tracks everything like okay. that. Um, or you have an upcoming bill due. It'll, mm. it'll give you notifications about that. So it's all been, that's been pretty helpful for me. How do you, and, and we'll, we'll stay on the apps right after this question, but, and it may be an app, but how do you keep track of all the deadlines for reporting? Because as a business, you've got to report, um, you know, sales tax, you got to report uh, quarterly, monthly, annually, um, whether you're dealing with, you know, city departments, state departments, you know, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of different, depending on your business, a bunch of different reports that you've got to keep track of. Some of them have different deadlines. How do you keep track of all that? Do you have a, a calendar? You just put them in your calendar? I'm a pen and paper person. Oh, I did not see that coming. You did wow, it. I did not. I, know. Okay. I have a little um, planner, a paper. Yeah. It's got a little calendar, like the full squares. I also oh. have a large one. Um, you know, like table length calendar I have on mm. my kitchen table that I will pencil in 
things. Wow. Um, but I did you learn sure a hard you're lesson. Not 80? Wow. I know. <laughs> I did. I did learn a hard lesson though, because um, I I do pay, pen and paper. Then I also keep stuff on my phone too, because I'm mm. definitely on the go all the time and yeah. don't have it with me or can't write it down while I'm driving. Or, yeah. You know. Um, I was just keeping track of everything in the notes app on my phone. Yeah. And I literally just had like a long list of all my dates, all my bookings, all the things. And one day, actually, this was just probably, this was end of October. Um, my phone just crashed mm. and I went to try to get on my, my notes app on my phone and it, I couldn't pull it up. Um, had quite the mental breakdown nearly. Um, yeah. and thankfully I was able to go to the AT&T AT&T store and get it recovered, but um, learned a lesson there because I nearly, yeah, lost everything. That would be. So what do you do now though? So the lesson was now you back it up, but how do you back it up? Like what, what do you do a little differently now? I'm trying to transition to Google calendar. Now every, I actually posted to my close friend story and asked for advice on what people use because Mm -hmm. I was like this, I'm such a notes person, just jot it down, but this will fill me. Um, and so they're saying Google calendar is the way to go. But where Um, do you write your notes that aren't necessarily related to a day? You still use the calendar for that? Yes. Just type in as, as long as it'll let me. Um, and I'm still using the notes app on my phone. I'll confess. I yeah. still am, even I though it failed it. me. I mean, you got me worried, but that's yeah. what I use. And it's. I feel like it's very uh, simple. I mean, it's just And it, you can do the um, check boxes. Check boxes. I just discovered that recently. Yeah, I use that. That is very nice. It is really hmm. good. So I have a constant running to-do list on my notes app on yeah. my phone. But beware. Back your phone up. Yes, yeah. because it will. Any other apps that you have found or, or programs or software or do you um, use QuickBooks? Or I use Square. Square. Okay. Um. I love Square. It's super easy to navigate. You use it as a, a point of sale point system of sale. and their payroll um, and yes. everything. Yeah. Actually, okay. yes. Yes. So, and I can do invoicing through Square as well, mm-hmm. um, which okay. is great. So it keeps a just contact list of every, you know, client we've ever had, every booking that I've invoiced and yeah. their name, their company, their contact information um, and keeps track of sales reports. So then from there, pretty simple. Um, I have a reminder on my phone that tells me that sales tax is due and I log on to comptroller or whatever, mm-hmm. um, run my sales report and, um, does try it to keep, up keep with that. the money separate? So you, you know, you, what is it? 8.25%. Does it automatically pull that money or you've got to no, make sure you have enough? So I, I paying, I'm paying quarterly. Um, but I do run the report monthly just for myself Okay, and kind of just mentally save that amount that way, that way I know that that's not mine. Don't spend that. Yeah. that's where, uh, some people have a rude shock is, Oh crap. Oh, I've had a couple of those for sure. Tax wise, any, um, and this kind of goes to a question I've got here in a little bit, but any on the tax wise, anything that you're like, Oh crap, I didn't know business that businesses had to pay that. Um, for a long time, I did not understand it. I think with the sales tax thing, I was like, why Mm. am I, taking that in just to pay it back. Like mm-hmm. if it was never mine in the first place, how about we just not do that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, that. It would be so much easier, but I guess I get, that was a conversation I had with Cody Myers too at big country. Uh, and he was like, well, Carly, you know, they, they, you know, pay for roads with that money. I'm like, I know, but like, I, <laughs> I it's just so inconvenient for me <laughs> when you're having to pay it. It sucks. Yeah. 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 Huh. Uh, let's see. Um, 
on advertising. So, um, and it may be for, because you're younger, I feel like a lot of my older clients, you know, plus 50 and above have a real hard time with social media and they, they understand that it has to be done, but they're not the ones doing it. They have someone doing it. Um, or they're paying an outside company crazy amounts of money to manage their social media. And all that person's doing is posting a bland, you know, article or link every other day. And you're like, this is what you're paying, you know, $2,000 for. But, um, how do you, one, do you, uh, pay for, uh, advertising on, on Instagram or Facebook or whatnot, or is it all just organic? You post it and people like it. It's mostly all organic social media. Um, which, Thankfully it's worked for me, I guess, call it my age range, but I've always just loved doing the social media and creating content. Um, that was, uh, I took a couple like elective classes in college too with social media marketing. So, Mm -hmm. um, I've always really had fun with it. That was actually what I did on the side, um, before starting Uh or taking over Espresso. So, um, I did social media marketing for Sylvan Learning Center and it was more journalism. So, it was completely okay. really different from what I'm doing now, selling a product or service. Right. But, um, yeah, I quit that job this summer when I went full time, but, mm. um, yeah, it's all, I've maybe boosted a couple co- uh, posts before just to maybe reach more people, but I've found yeah. it not to be worthwhile. Yeah. I think that it's better just to, you just don't know what's going to take off and what's not. And so you do, I think you mentioned reels. Yes. Do are those and it, and obviously it depends on your type of business. You know, reels are not going to be, I would assume, effective for your dad's gas business. No. But are they bread and butter for coffee? Yeah. Yes, I would say that's been, that's majority of what we share. Um, mm. The the reels, the short clips paired with trendy music um, mm-hmm. is what tends to do best. But and is it you like making a cup of coffee or how things are made like behind the scenes or is it, is it like you dancing with a cup of coffee? Like what's the, that seems dancing seems to have. Oh, we to have some video. dancing videos out okay. there. Um, it's a little bit of everything. I try to, um, share, I mean, a little bit of behind the scenes also, I mean, catch all, I mean, people are following for various reasons. I think majority mm-hmm. of it, they want to see coffee content. Right. Um, I think also people relate and connect to people. So I try to share, you know, us working in the trailer and, you know, employee relations type things. Also, um, just having fun. That's really what we want to like see in your feed. Yeah. See too that we're upbeat. We're entertaining. We're, we're the truck you want to book for your fun event. Um, and so I think that's been a big part of the goal, but also not focusing completely. Um, I've transitioned recently. Like we talked about Google reviews, trying to focus more on that and word of mouth as marketing and advertising versus mm-hmm. wearing ourselves out, trying to get content out on social media all the time, because I've realized the audience that we have on social media is majority college students, majority college girls, um, who aren't necessarily that customer that we're looking for unless they're mm-hmm. the bride, potential unless bride, but bride. yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, and that just goes back to knowing who your actual customer yes. is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so do you have, and again, without mentioning numbers, but do you have a set budget that you say, okay, I'm going to put aside this amount of money every month to advertise, or it's more, eh, I'll just, I'll boost that post kind of, well, it's a big event or it's a whim. Okay. I'll boost it. But it's you don't not budgeted out. Okay. It's uh yeah. And I've, I've done a couple silly mistakes. I, I mean, not mistakes, but, um, 
jumped the gun one time and did an advertisement um, with my brother was working for a baseball academy and they were running just ads on a TV screen. And he was like, mm. it's $200. Like, just send me a picture of your trailer and I'll put it up on the screen. And I was like, carelessly just said yes. And then later was like, did I, was that really helpful? I don't know. I don't know if I've got my return on investment there, but, yeah. um, so since then I've tried to be a little bit more hesitant, um, and just stick to the more organic stuff. So. It's also, for better or worse, I feel like with coffee, you can say, oh, that's that cost me $200, that picture up there. That's X number of coffee cups. Like yes. you can really easily right. quantify, yes. mm, did that bring me in 200 coffee cups? I don't know. And I tell myself since we are getting out, like, I guess on average, probably four to five days out of the week, I... As far since we are a mobile coffee trailer, we are a moving billboard. I mean, mm-hmm. if you see us yeah. driving around town, I mean, what is that? You can look us up. And so yeah. I'm like, I'm always advertising. Well, that's how he reeled you in first time, right? You were driving past exactly. Roll Shack. Yeah. So it works. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Winding down a little bit, or at least shifting into um, uh, other topics of babbling. But before we shift more on the back end side, um, do you guys use a CPA accountant or like, how do you deal with taxes? Cause um, that, that's a big stumbling block for especially new business owners. I met with someone at the very beginning who my dad was using, um, mm-hmm. just to get, um, an understanding for what I needed to be like keeping track of ex- expense wise, mm-hmm. things like that. So I will see them at the beginning of the year. So yes, okay. don't meet with them regularly, but yeah. Uh, and some, some accountants are that way where you meet with them. Yeah. Once a year in summer, We'll meet quarterly and just depends on the business owner too. Um, So hardest part about running a business that you wish someone had warned you about anything that like, man, whether it's, I just spend more time on uh, accounting or man, I spend more time slipping cups into their sleeves than I expected or wow, this caught me off guard and I did not know business owners had to do this. Um, cause I just saw him raking in the money and didn't know this, anything come to mind that you wish, man, someone should have told me this. Oh, I'm trying to narrow down something. There's been a lot of things. Um, I think it's just a personal lesson for me. I didn't, um, realize, I mean, there's so, there's so much beauty in in being a business owner and it's great. Um, but when you work in nine to five or something like that, there's, you get to switch off your brain. And I Mm -hmm. am now struggling with that. I mean, it's a current struggle to feel like it's, it's really ongoing. Like I don't really get to shut the door on things. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had, you know, the weekend off actually Saturday and Sunday, which is kind of rare for us to have Saturday off. Normally it's just like one random day during the week and then Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had two days consecutive off and I was like, I'm really just going to try to turn my brain off, um, hang out with friends and not think about work, not post anything on social media, take Mm -hmm. it easy. And then I had some, oh crap moments 
when I got back into it Monday morning mm-hmm. of things that had just slipped my mind um, because I tried to just turn my brain off. And so it's really like you're kicking yourself. I mean, you're proud of yourself for taking it easy, but you're also right. kicking yourself that like, man, I've got to always be on my A game because here I am forgetting the keys to my storage unit getting out here this morning because I wasn't in work mode. Right. And so I guess that can go over into anything, but um, I think I've had a lot of my friends ooh and awe at business owner thing, but I'm like, but you could just sleep at night. And I'm over here right. dreaming about the nightmare of me getting a flat tire tomorrow because I'm a worry wart too. So right. just trying to find that, the balance of all those things. That can be good. Like you can channel that worry energy into making sure that you're always prepared. So it yes. can be good, but it can also just like make you go gray early on. Exactly. Um, I will say, yeah, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, they do think about, they're always thinking about things, whether it's in the evenings, whether it's, you know, the weekends, there is really no time off. And so they are, mm-hmm. even if they're going to Dallas and they're, they're going to go grab coffee or dinner with, then they're thinking, Oh, well, what is this restaurant doing? What yes. is this coffee shop doing differently? So their brain's always on or they're always discussing, mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder how much, you know, this, this advertising costs or this coffee cup costs here versus over in Abilene kind of deal. And so one, I think it makes it a more interesting conversation, but it is something that until you do it and until all the responsibility is yours, and if you fail, it's on your shoulders, that drive doesn't, uh, you don't understand that, that you were always on until you actually own your business. So Mm -hmm. that's something where most people, Oh, weekend. Oh, good. I can catch up. I can, I can, you know, maybe just keep my head above water. It's hard to do. Yeah. That's, that's good insight though. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they're only seeing the the Hallmark version out there. So that's good that you're right. showing the, the other side. Um, let's see. Anything that you wish, so you were a communications degree uh, major. Anything that you wish was taught in undergrad that you could have used um, as a business owner, even if it was on the communications part of, man, I wish they would have focused more on, how, I don't know, how to use social media for a business or anything coming to mind of like, man, mm-hmm. if I was a professor – I would do this. So those real practical knowledge. I guess I just wish it would have been a little bit more hands-on. I mean, it was a lot of just Mm. book work and generic scenarios versus like, man, I wish we would have focused more on like, you know, real experiences with local business owners and like, I don't know, doing something to help them or like, you know, see the ins and outs. I mean, I guess it was just, fairly broad. And I, I was going to be a business minor, which probably would have helped me in the long run. But, um, those big finance n- names and all the, I was just like, Oh no, I can't do this, which probably would have come in handy now. So I can't really completely speak on that since mm-hmm. I, I chickened out on the business minor. <laughs> Anything. Um, what was a great way f- to keep you as a student engaged? Uh, if you think back and I ask, this is mainly a self-serving question in that I'm teaching a business law class this spring at McMurray for the first time. And so I'm working on the syllabus and whatnot, but what, um, what's a great way to keep students engaged in kind of the looking back, anything come to mind? Like engaged in class, just in the class or in the subject matter where like for information that, man, I don't know if I'm, you know, um, for classes that you may need that will benefit you down mm-hmm. the road, but man, you're in college and you don't want to, that does not, those sound like big finance or accounting classes that are going to be a pain in the butt. Anything come to mind of like, all right, this would be a good way to keep me engaged as a student or 
make me more excited to take it. I don't know. And there may be no answer. That's This one's more off the top of my head, but I was just curious. I wish I could give you a better answer. I'm kind mm-hmm. of, I've checked out of, of schooling. It's been a couple of years and I'm like, man, I just But maybe think. more practical or show how they could use that information. Yeah, I think, I mean, road. even scare tactics, like, hey guys, this is real life. Like you're going to have right. to use this. So like, listen up. And right now like, you're getting think, it for free. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. You think what? You were about to say something. Well, I cut you off. I'm losing it. Oh man, I don't know. Continue on. I, I, I lost it. <laughs> if you if you think of it, so we'll okay. circle back. Uh, let's see. So uh, shifting to Abilene, just kind of in general, uh, what do you think the best thing about Abilene is, and what's thing? What's one thing I say could be the worst thing? Could be something that we could improve upon. But what do you think? Uh, Best thing about Abilene, because it's rare, my my focus to b- give you, to mm-hmm. buy you time, is um, I hate that Abilene, we have a lot of students here, but then we lose them as soon as they graduate. We lose a lot of them to yeah. DFW. They're gone. Uh, unless they, you know, are moving back, you know, after a few years, or they get a, you know, a certain type of job right after college and makes them stay here, but that's a very small percentage. Most of them, right out. So what, what would make... Um, make more recent graduates stay here. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Anything come to mind? You called me an 80-year-old earlier, so maybe that's, that's why I'm here. That's true. <laughs> but I hear so often people are like, there's nothing to do in Abilene. I'm like, what do you mean? What is there to do Have in other cities? Have you been to cities? Espresso? Like, <laughs> um, <sighs> Man, I don't know. I One thing I'll say Abilene is really good about, and I just – feel blessed is they, I mean, the community in Abilene really champions small business. I feel like, mm. like I've just felt a ton of support from other local businesses, just people willing to, you know, choose local versus, you know, big retailers, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is neat. Um, but that keeps, I guess, Abilene, I mean, since they are more, small business focus, less of those big brand names coming in, right. staying in Abilene. I don't know. Anything that you wish that we had could be a business, could be a venue, could be a whatever that, man, I'd love that to Abilene get it. You know, I think someone said, um, Oh, we should get a baseball team. Um, mm-hmm. Someone said, Oh, we should have a more, uh, we should have more outdoor uh, vi- uh, concert venues yeah. downtown, uh, things like that. But anything in particular for you? Uh, and I had uh, Jonathan Spencer on, and he's a big um, hockey guy, and he's been pushing to have a hockey team here for forever. And so that was his answer. But anything for you of like, man, I wish we had something, something specifically that all oh, this, it's a big, it's a big thing. Anything come to mind? I was really addicted to um, boba tea in college, and I'm mm. proud of Abilene. They've gotten on the yeah. They've gotten yeah. to boba tea. There's some good places. We even in have town. poke bowls now too. Those yes. are really good. I'm yes. a big fan. Yeah. I was gonna say there is a really um, neat. Um, I forget what you call them, acai bowl, oh, but they're yeah. like smoothie bowl, like build your own granola. Maybe there's already that happening. But I've heard of them. I don't know if I've ever actually had one. But yeah, I, I think something there's like that would be. Would okay. be pretty neat because we have such long, hot summers. You know what it's I mean? True. I mean, we have this Bahama Bucks came in, which is great. Yeah. Um, and there's some great snow cone places, but like a real smoothie bar. I wasn't doing coffee. That's what you would do. Maybe. Mobile smoothie bar. Maybe. Okay. Hmm. 
I don't know what you'd name it, but okay. And then College Station also had an ice skating rink that was a ton of fun. We have a rollerblading rink. Yeah. On the 14th. Okay. They've yeah. renovated it. So it's it's nice. Cool. I've been there once or twice recently. But uh, yeah, we do. Ice skating rink in Abilene. This was my my discussion with Jonathan Spencer on the hockey. I was like, man, it's a little warm most of the year for an ice hockey. Yeah. But you enclose it and then it could be good. So maybe you and you and Jonathan Spencer could team up and collab. You could, yeah. Push for a ice hockey. Uh, I'll, I'll tag him in this, in this post okay. and you guys can work that out. And then finally, best tips for entrepreneurs or business owners out there listening. Probably let's let's focus on maybe the ones early 20s that are new business owners or thinking about it. Any tips that you'd be like, hey, do this before you buy it or do this uh, soon after or anything that really saved your bacon? Hmm. I think you kind of – we were talking about this before we started, but mm. – um, Purchasing a business that had already been established was, I'm not saying that's how you do it. I know you miss a lot of the nitty gritty of starting your own thing. There's years of like, Mm -hmm. I mean, pride that go into that too, um, that I can't really speak on, but I mean, definitely made the process so much smoother doing that. And, um, yeah, taking, taking, a taking over a business that had already, you know, had a great reputation and, mm-hmm. um, was able to just kind of more hit the ground running. What was, was great for me. Um, consistency's huge. Um, sounds silly. And I don't know how this pertains to just anybody in business, but I've just learned that like you, you know, it, I, I just keep using dice as the example that we've, we've been out there, but I think <laughs> the, the lady who's in charge, who's in charge of vendor coordinating out there, she gets oh, frustrated yeah. a lot with people that are just flaky and you know don't stay true to what they say when they're going to show up. What you know, all these things, mm-hmm. and it just it goes a long way with people if you're just consistent and you show up, um, and you're there the hours you say you're going to be there, um, and you communicate that. I mm-hmm. think um, that'll get you a long way with people. And so I've seen a following grow out there just from us staying committed to mm. the times and days we've said we're going to be there. Um, and life happens. Yeah. yeah. But still th- that's huge. Um, so for those out there booking a venue or having an upcoming wedding, how far outside of Abilene do you go? So if there's someone has a wedding in, in uh, Weatherford or too far, what's, what's your distance for the indoor setup? Mm-hmm. We'll go however far. I mean, okay. I guess in the state, <laughs> um, but with the trailer, I mean, it's just, it, it's situational. It just depends. I mean, if it's a big enough event or if it's, you know, somebody I really want to make it happen for, then, then right. we're willing to go further. But, um, it's just a lot of wear and tear on the equipment. That's not necessarily yeah. always worth it, you know, to travel out. I mean, really out of, we're going to Clyde Friday morning to do a teacher appreciation at Clyde elementary, but mm. that's about as far as I want to go. We've been to Merkel too. But I like to stay off I-20, so... Oh, yeah. Do you do a lot of uh, Christmas parties? Would it be in the holiday season right now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We did one with um, Student Life at ACU just last weekend okay. with their faculty and staff at somebody's house, um, which was really cool. We just... Neighborhood, people started coming up. That mm-hmm. was really fun. So what would you say if you... you know, For those out there listening, it was like, oh, I would have never thought to 
even think of contacting a, a coffee truck to come to my event or whatever I'm doing. So you do weddings, teacher appreciations. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other kind of big events that, that are, that you do? Um, yeah, I would say, yeah. Teacher appreciations, weddings. Um, we've done some indoor catering setups for, um, like nurses, like nurse appreciations, really big, okay. um, setting up even inside like, um, health centers or, um, something like that. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what else we graduation or done. graduation parties, graduation, any, yeah. any sort of private party. Um, we'll be mm. at the grace this Friday night for a reception. Okay. Um, reception coffee is a big deal. Your guests want to be energized to dance the night away. That's so true. That's true. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Anything else you'd like to say or wrap it up here unless you want to say something? No, just You're good. Thank you so much. Sure, for having me. sure. Yeah, I didn't know if there was a pitch that you wanted to say to venue <laughs> owners or anything like that. No, oh no, no, no. I guess, um, yeah. If you're interested in booking for an event, you can, yeah, contact me. <laughs> there uh, it is. There we go. We're on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, all the things. So just shoot me a, a message. Very cool. Well, thanks for being on the show. We'll end it there. For those of you who have been listening, thanks for listening. This has been Reaganomics with Blaze Reagan, a show focusing on practical business talk and common sense politics. Thanks for listening.